<laughs> Great passage. So let's uh, bow before the Lord and let's uh, just dedicate this time as we look into his word. Father, we come before you today and we just thank you for your word and the power that it has. Lord, we thank you for quizzers who memorize your words and hide your word in their hearts. Lord, may we learn from them to hide your word in our hearts, to memorize scriptures, to uh, focus on the Bible as it directs our life. And so today, as we look into your word, I pray that you would help me to speak it clearly, to make it clear to us, may your spirit fill me with power for that task. I pray, Lord, that you would also help us to adjust our lifestyle according to what your word calls us to do. And so, Father, we just pray that you would be, um, you would be here and you would be challenging us. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage that Matthew just read, um, I want to point out uh, one thing, that, that there's a bit of awkwardness in this passage. I don't know if you noticed that, that the Apostle Paul is feeling a little bit awkward about what he's got to say. Uh, he's feeling, I don't know, he's, he's basically saying, you know, thanks for all the gifts that you've given, and it's really good and important to give, but he's also going, but, you know, like, don't feel obligated, and it's not about me, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, he starts this way. He starts with saying, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to share it. And then he talks about, you know, I'm not saying this, or... It, it, yeah, then, then he's like, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, you know. Uh, so he, he's sort of like, hey, I'm thankful, but, you know, it's not because I'm in need. Uh, I'm fine, whatever. I'm content with whatever. Uh, but, hey, it's good of you to share my trouble. So you can see him kind of flopping back and forth between saying, thanks so much for all this good stuff. But, you know, like, you know, you don't have to. It's, you know, it, it's because this topic is sensitive for pastors and leaders, okay? <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to say, you know, you guys are the only ones that help me out. Um, and thanks a lot. It's, but, you know, it's not that I desire a gift. And I'm amply supplied. But, you know, your gifts are a fragrant offering before God, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. So you can see him flipping back and forth between these things. And today I'm going to be talking about giving. And you know what? I relate to Paul. It's kind of awkward. You know, I'm asking you guys to give, and guess guess who benefits from your giving in the church? I get my salary from that, okay? So I'm just being up front here, okay? This is awkward, okay? It's weird. I'm like, yeah, it's good for you guys to give, but, you know, it's sort of self-serving, you know? And... Uh, it's awkward. Um, people have often often leveled the accusation to pastors and churches that, oh, you guys are just in for it for the money. You know, you're just in it for the money. You're just trying to get rich. And and believe me, I've heard some pastors uh, speaking, especially televangelists, and the way they ask for money and the way they they imply that if you give to my ministry, God's going to bless you and you're going to get rich. And I'm like, you know, there's something wrong with that kind of preaching. There's something wrong there. And it makes it makes me creepy. So when I have to talk about it, and believe me, I do have to talk about it. It's in the Bible. As a teacher of the Word of God, it's kind of a requirement that I talk about it. But it makes me feel weird. And it makes me feel self-serving. So... I'm sorry if <laughs> if this offends you or don't get too bent out of shape. I, I also am bent out of shape about it. Um, you know, 
Like Paul, I want to say thank you for donating to Eastgate Alliance Church. Uh, it's, it's wonderful to receive this. You know, the pandemic, I know, caused a lot of financial stress amongst you. And yet the giving here actually went up. And, you know, the, the staff, at the beginning of the pandemic, we talked amongst ourselves, and we were like, okay, well, we might get a pay cut. I hope you're, you know, and we talked amongst ourselves saying, get ready, we're probably going to get a pay cut. Well, it never happened. Thank you. Is <laughs> that really great? So we're so relieved by that. And uh, I find the board has always been generous with Jennifer and I, our salaries. We appreciate it so much. Um, and... I, I found the, sta- the, the, the board always wants to give equitable salaries to the, the staff here. And we really appreciate that. I'm very thankful. And so this passage, although it, uh, it encourages giving, I do find myself in this awkward spot. Um, God has blessed me and my family through your generosity. And I believe God is going to bless you through that generosity, which sounds a little awkward for me <laughs> to say that, but it's true, uh, and it's part of God's word. So let's get into this passage. <clears throat> In fact, just to make it a little less awkward for me, this passage is not giving for your pastor. This p- passage is really about giving to missions. About it's about giving to support missionaries. Paul was a missionary, and he w- he was traveling. And in fact, now he was jailed for being a missionary. And so he's receiving some help from Epaphroditus from the Philippian church, and he's really excited about it. And he's saying thank you. Uh, so I, I'm going to get a little bit out of the out of the limelight here and just say this passage is really about supporting our missionary work that goes on. Um, <clears throat> and so. Um, just last week, we heard from two, two young ladies sitting right here up in the front. And uh, so, Lord willing, they're going to go to a, uh, an African country, a Islamic African country, in just about a month. And um, guess what? You can share in their ministry. And you say, well, I'm not going to go to Africa, especially not to an Islamic country. <laughs> well, you can still share in their ministry by praying for them. You can share in their ministry by donating to them. You can donate to this place right here. Just put on your next slide. Vision School, North Africa. And that will help them with their expenses to get there. And so, uh, when, you see, when Paul says, it was good of you to share in my troubles, do you see those words, to share? That's what happens when you donate to someone's work, when you give to someone's work, you're actually sharing the burden of that work and you're helping them with the the work that they're involved with. And so he's pointing out that supporting a missionary is actually sharing in their work. So you can be involved. Um, You know, Nadisha and Marley were sharing with me yesterday uh, when we were driving. Uh, They were sharing how they were starting to practice for their trip. And they were sharing the gospel with their friends. 
and their friends would come up with these objections about what they were sharing. And you know, it was interesting that the Holy Spirit seems to have given them the wisdom to respond correctly and, and share uh, things about Christ. And so I was really impressed with that, and I was encouraged that they're already starting to do that ministry while they're still here and getting ready. Uh, and for the next number of weeks, they're going to be tra- getting training on how to share your faith effectively. Uh, Rebka is going to help them out, and it's going to be awesome. You know, uh, Rebka's been sharing her faith now for a while since she first took vision school, and I keep getting these updates, and they're just the list is well over 90 people already that she's led through the sinner's prayer to faith. And so this is exciting. <laughs> Rebka's also going on a missionary trip, and in, in uh, in the next month or so, we're going to hear about the other three people who've gone through vision school and are heading to the Middle East, and they want to share their faith there as well. And so there's a lot of ways to get involved in missions. In fact, next week, we have a couple of missionaries coming. They're going to be their guest speakers here. They are in a country I cannot name. I cannot name their names. Why? Because it's dangerous. They've gone to a country where um, the majority of the people in their area are Muslim. Uh, The majority of the country they're in are atheists or non-believers. And it's illegal to share Christ there. And uh, their friends get deported and their friends get put in jail for sharing Christ. And yet they're there sharing the gospel. They're full-time workers with the Christian Missionary Alliance. So they haven't just dedicated a couple of weeks. They've dedicated decades of their life to go to a foreign land. The dangers that that includes for decades and share Christ with people and see very little fruit because it's a very, very hard place. But they're going to a place where the name of Christ is not named. And they feel called there and they feel the passion of that. And so you can give to that by uh, giving to the Global Advance Fund. Next slide. Yeah, the Global Advance Fund. You can, you can find that right on your, your offering envelope. It just says it right there. And so I'm just being real practical here, folks. There's opportunities to give to missionaries who are out there sharing the gospel. We participate in their ministry when we do that. Uh, there's also a meeting after the quizzing thing, or sometime this afternoon, uh, about uh, a possibility of a trip to Mysticini, a Cree uh, community where uh, a, a, a summer day camp type program is going on. And so some of the young people from our church are, are talking and thinking about going there. And so there's going to be a meeting with Pastor Josh. When is it, Josh? 115, 120. So uh, if you're interested in that, just find out about it. You can actually join that meeting. Um, So lots of possibilities. But look, look what Paul says here in this passage about the Philippian church. As you Philippians know, he says, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more, more than once when I was in need. Isn't that a great statement? I mean, here Paul is saying, you guys, you, you're it, man. You are the congregation that helped me out. What kind of, and I have to ask us, what kind of congregation do we want to be? 
Do, do we want to be part of that list of congregations that weren't helping Paul out, weren't helping their missionaries? Or do we want to be part of the, the group of churches that are helping missionaries? You know, I sit on the, the district executive committee for the Eastern District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance in Canada. It's a very long name. Anyways, I sit on this committee, and every once in a while, we get a report at, on this committee, and it lists all of the churches and how much they gave to the Global Advance Fund, okay? And so when I look at this list, I'm shocked that there are about a quarter of the churches in our district who don't give anything to the Global Advance Fund. Why am I shocked? Because in their name, they are called Christian and Missionary Alliance Church, and yet they give nothing to our missions endeavors and i'm just like ah that's that's not good <laughs> like you're saying you're one thing but you're not actually committed to it with your wallet i mean there's some problem with this you know so this always concerns me <laughs> and and so guess what i do when i when i get this report and it's handed to me what, what do you think i do I look up Eastgate. Of course, that's what I do. I look up Eastgate. How are we doing? You know, I'm, and it's probably not good. You know, I compare our church with other churches. It's bad. It's bad all around. But I do it. I can't help it. You know, I just, you know why? Because I want to make sure that the church that God has called me to lead, that it's a healthy church in this regard, that it's not listed with one of those churches that never gives anything or gives very, very little. And you know what? I actually check every year for 29 years. I've checked at the end of the year. Are we still giving at least a tithe of the donations that come into this church to the Global Advance Fund? Because if we stop doing that, you'll be hearing messages like this every week. <laughs> so, so I'm so glad it's never happened. We've always given at least a tithe to the Global Advance Fund. And so praise God, you are a faithful church who gives to missionaries. It's so important to do so. Um, but woe be unto you if you stop. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> but um, I want to make sure that we're not part of the not one church shared with me syndrome that Paul talks about in this passage. Seriously, that would be horrible. <clears throat> now I'm going to come back to giving in just a moment, but I, I want to just say sort of a, a little bit about this passage that's sort of off topic. Um, so we're going to just back up uh, next slide to uh, verse 13. Um, where Paul, after saying that he's content with every situation he finds himself in, whether he's got a lot of money or little money or whatever, he's just content. But I want you to notice that, that this verse has been translated differently in our newest NIV Bibles. Uh, I don't like it when the NIV does this, but they do it sort of all the time. And so it translates that I can do all this through him who gives me strength. But how do we normally hear this verse, we hear it the old way. I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. Guess which one's more accurate according to the Greek? It's the old one. It's more accurate, okay? So why did the NIV change it? I think I know the reason why they changed it. Because so many people have taken this verse out of context. 
just all over the place. People take this verse out of context constantly, and they just say, oh, I can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in fact, they even imply that if Paul wanted to, he could go fly to Mars and live there without oxygen. No problem, because he can do anything through Christ who strengthens me. And is that what Paul is trying to say here? That he can do absolutely anything through Christ? No, it's not, actually. What he's stating here is that he can do all the things that Christ has enabled him to do through Christ's power. So he's, he's referring back to the fact that he can do this. So the NIV is, is kind of correct in saying it this way, that he can do all that took place in the verses before, that he can be content. It's really talking about his contentment. He can be content because Christ gives him strength to be content. Now, the thing is, it also includes the other things, like the everything here includes the other things that God has given him strength to do. So God has given him strength to be a great preacher. God has given him a a strength to get stoned and beaten up and then go to the next city and preach again. God has given him strength for persecutions and staying faithful and all these things. So all these things, yes, they're all included in the everything that... uh, that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. But particularly he's referring to the, um, the fact that he can live off of nothing and be happy, be content. Live when, when, when he's got a lot of income, he can be content then too. Um, so I just wanted to do this sort of a little interesting corrective. Anyways, it has not much to do with the sermon. So let's get back to giving. Um, Like I mentioned, there's a lot of awkwardness about this passage, but scattered throughout this passage is a bunch of reasons for giving to the Lord's work. And I'd like to point them out. There's seven reasons why we ought to give to the Lord's work. The first reason is that it brings joy to the missionaries. You know, when their needs, their expenses, their airfare is looked after by the congregation, they're like, wow, now I have a responsibility to do well. You see, like if you, if you, if you have to pay your own way to get to wherever you're going to be a missionary, well, if you fail, it doesn't really matter. But man, when other people have paid for your, it's like you're responsible now. This is the way I feel about being a pastor too. Like people are paying me. To do this ministry, it's no longer, you know, it's just volunteer work that I can do however sloppy I want. Now, all of a sudden, I'm responsible. Believe me, I don't do volunteer work as sloppy as I want. I'm just saying. Uh, It's an added incentive, okay, to do it well, to really, you know, to, to be responsible. And so it is when we give to our missionaries, they're excited. They're like, wow. Thank you so much for all that you've given me. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, the way the, Paul, the Apostle Paul says at the beginning uh, of this passage. And secondly, as I've already point, pointed out, that we share in the ministries that are going on. So when you support a missionary, when you give so that someone else could preach the gospel somewhere, you're actually sharing in that preaching of the gospel, and you're a part of that. And so that's a great uh, incentive to give. Thirdly, um, oh, oh. I want to just point out, before I go to the third point, that um, in chapter 1, Paul kind of combines the first reason and the second reason into one verse. He says, I always pray with joy because of your participation 
in the gospel from the first day until now. You see, the point he's making is that when we give, and they've been giving to Paul's ministry all this time, when, when they give, it, it brings him joy. And it's a participation. So these two points are really pointed out right in the very first chapter. So thirdly, as I've already pointed out, we don't want to be a deadbeat church. Okay? You know what deadbeat dads are, right? They're ones that don't pay for their kids. Well, we have missionaries going all over the world. And as a Christian and Missionary Alliance church, we don't want to be a deadbeat church. We need to support those missionaries that we've sent. We've sent them. And if we just go like, oh, well, you're on your own. Hope you do well. God, God bless you. Be well fed. And, and may God look after you. And then we don't give them anything. It's kind of messed up. So don't be a deadbeat church. And we're not. Praise God. Thank you for being generous. The fourth thing is found in verse 17. Interesting. And, and it gets a little awkward. He's like, not that I desire your gifts again. He's like got this awkward thing going on. Uh, what, but he says, what I desire is that more be accredited to your account. More be accredited to your account. Well, what, what does that mean? Like, what account? Where is this account? Like, is it a bank account? Like, what account is this? What does this really mean? What does it mean to be accredited to your account? Like, well, I don't think it... It's, it's actually not that complicated, okay? Basically, what he's saying is, when you give, God's got a teller up in heaven that's looking after that. And he goes, oh, yeah, they're giving. Yeah, let's put that to their account. And so, in other words, you're storing up treasures in heaven. You're doing what Jesus said to do. Remember in Matthew, Jesus says, um, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy. You know, it's very easy to think, well, I made all this money. And I'm going to stick it in the bank. And then when I retire, I'm going to live happily ever after. And I'm going to get a yacht and, a, you know, whatever. Very easy to store up treasures for ourselves here on earth. But guess what? Moths destroy. Yachts get old. They fall apart. Thieves break in and steal. And, yeah, it's not good. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. <laughs> this is what I think Paul is referring to. He's saying, when you give, you're giving to a crown in glory that you're going to receive. And Jesus is going to come along and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know how many people were converted and are now here in heaven because of that money you gave to that missionary or that missionary or that missionary? All these people over here, they're all here because you gave. <laughs> Don't you want to hear that when you get there? That will be awesome. Jesus will give you a high five or whatever he does to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's going to be awesome. Next, they are the gifts that are given are a fragrant offering. Now, what's a fragrant offering? In the Old Testament, you had these censers that they would put in the temple, and they would burn incense on them, and it would smell nice. And this is what God is talking about. In the New Testament, the prayers of the people are talked about as a fragrant offering of incense up to God. And so I don't know if you knew this, but God smells your offerings. <laughs> he likes it. You know? It says he's pleased with it. It's something we do for God. And he's like, that's, that's a great smell right there. 
It's an offering that's pleasing to him. It's why we call the collection in our churches offerings, because we're offering something to God, giving it to him for his purposes so that he can enjoy it. And so this is called pleasing to God. So the next thing is, it's an acceptable sacrifice, Paul says. It's acceptable to God. In other words, God goes, thank you. Remember when Cain and and Abel, thank you. (laughs) I knew it was something that started with an A. Cain and Abel, when they were offering, God accepted some of the offering, but he didn't accept the other offering. And it made the guy mad, made Abel mad, or Cain mad. Uh, Yeah, Cain. (laughs) So get my story straight. And so it is with us. There are some offerings that are acceptable to God and some offerings are not acceptable to God. And when we we look in the book of Micah, we find out what an acceptable offering is. And Micah says, you know, when you bring a lamb to sacrifice to God, but it's got a defect on it, it's got a broken leg, that's not acceptable. He says, would would your mare accept a gift from you that was you know, not, not nice. It had a broken piece on it, you know, like, oh, mayor, here's a new piece of furniture. Uh, yeah, one of the drawers is broken. There's no, you know, no handle on it and it doesn't open. Wait, would you give a gift like that? No, of course not. And he says, an acceptable gift to God is something that's given wholeheartedly with joy and a full amount. It's not a stingy little gift. When you give gifts to your friend, to your kids, to your parents, you know, I'm a Dutchman. I'm, I tend to give stingy gifts. It's not healthy. My wife, luckily, has reformed me. And she likes to give generous gifts. And so she gives these gifts to me, and I'm just like, what am I going to do? I can't ever compete with this. You know? So I've learned a thing or two from her. And she's very generous. But that's the kind of gift that is acceptable to God. Some people say, you know, like, oh, tithing's not, not for the New Testament. No, it's not. But when, when this woman gave two pennies into the temple uh, treasury, Jesus noticed it, and she, he said she gave everything she had. And so she said those two pennies to God are worth more than everything that everyone else gave. So in other words, the New Testament giving model is not 10%. It's everything she had. Okay, that's a little tough one. I'm going to leave that with you. You do with it whatever you want. I I know I don't give everything I have, (laughs) although I've offered it all to God. And I've said, Lord, it's all yours. My house, my car, my my income, it's all yours, whatever you want. So that's in a way how we give everything. And so a 10% is like nothing. It's just like, yeah, for sure. Of course I'm going to give that. So if you want to know what an acceptable gift is, it's a, it's a generous gift. It's something that, and sacrifice also has implied in it that it hurts. It's not easy to sacrifice something. So when the Israelites, you know, when you go in the Old Testament, they're told to give a tithe. They're also told to give a whole bunch of other stuff. Somebody's calculated it actually works out to about a third of people's income. You know, lambs for this feast and stuff for that feast and grain offerings and drink offerings and all this stuff. It it adds up. So, you know, the thing about giving to God is it ought to be generous. And I know there was a time in our life where Jennifer and I were living off like... (laughs) <laughs> just 
way below the poverty line, like way below. And we like count it out very carefully. Okay, this is the exact tithe. <laughs> we gave that exact tithe just because we didn't want to go anywhere ever, you know, below this kind of biblical principle. Um, and maybe we're a little bit legalistic about it at that time. But you know what? Once we were, you know, not living like way below the poverty line, it became much easier. And then, yeah, we, we don't really look at the tithe that much anymore, although it's sort of our baseline. So these are the things that are acceptable gifts, acceptable off, uh, sacrifices to God when you do it that way. And probably now we don't give nearly as much as we gave back then. We don't. Maybe we give a bigger percentage of our income, maybe more money. But I think back then we gave more because it was a lot bigger sacrifice at that time. Uh, just being honest here. Okay, final reason for giving. And this one gets misstrewed a lot, but it's still in the scriptures and it's powerful. It's the last verse. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. You know, when Paul says, my God, well, he doesn't say that very often. At the beginning of the book, he said, I pray that, I pray, uh, I give, no, I give thanks to my God. And he, get, he says that line quite a bit. I thank my God for you, and I thank my God for this, and I thank my God for this. But this is the only time in scriptures that I'm aware of that somebody says, my God will do this. And, and it, certainly it's the only time Paul says that. And he says, my God will do this. So what's, why does he use this phrase, my God will provide for your needs? Because he's looking back to verse 17 where he says that I am amply supplied. And he's saying, if I as a missionary in prison can be amply supplied with all, for all my need, with all my needs being met, surely my God is going to supply you with all your needs. And notice that this, word, this whole phrase starts with and. Basically, it's saying, and my God. So in other words, it's connected with the last part. It's connected with our giving and our giving generously as an acceptable sacrifice. This God will supply all your needs in Christ Jesus, it's connected with our giving. And people don't like to hear that, but it's true. When we give generously, those who give generously, they like to hear that. Those who don't, don't like to hear that. <laughs> so, but God, Paul is just pointing out that God will provide for all your needs. And believe me, this is a conditional statement. And there are conditional statements in the scripture. They're conditional promises. You know, the, the promise of salvation is even conditional. It's absolutely conditional. In Romans, um, it says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you don't confess, if you don't believe, not going to be saved. Okay, it's conditional. Okay, and that's what's going on here in this verse. And... Like if you do all this giving, then God is going to provide for all your needs. It's going to be very simple. Um, because you gave, God will give back to you. Proverbs 11 says it this way. The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters will also be watered himself. 
New Testament says it like this. Let each one of you gives as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then Jesus himself says this. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Whoa, that's Jesus, okay? This is not some prosperity preacher somewhere. This is Jesus, okay? And he's saying, whatever, you know, whatever you use, the 10% or 5% or 2% or 30% or some other measurement, just joyfully I give this way. God says, hey, I'm going to use that same measurement. Now I'm going to jam it in there and I'm going to shove it in there and it's going to be overflowing, but I'm going to use that same jar, you know, and I'll give it back to you that way. It's like, wow, that's really something. So when we are ultra generous, God is ultra generous with us. And uh, unfortunately, I'm five minutes over time, uh, <laughs> and we still have communion to do. So I, I have all these stories throughout my whole life, and just, you're just going to have to take it at my word. About Jennifer and I just being generous, just, just kind of going over in one area. And within weeks, just going like, why are we getting this big fat check? Like, what is going on here? You know, and I talked about when we were poor as most church uh, tithing and God just dumped on us during that time when we were like way below the poverty level level, we lived in a brand new house, brand new. No one had ever lived there before. We had four brand new appliances (laughs) and we were paying $83 a month for this place. Like, what? And to us, it was just absolutely a miracle that God provided that. Absolutely, like, just unbelievable. Because we moved out of a place paying 450 a month. And we moved into this brand new place paying $83 a month. It boggles the mind. <laughs> so uh, we have many, many stories about that. God is faithful in giving back. He just is. But may your heart be challenged by just loving the Lord, not by what you're going to get back from him, but just do it out of love for him. He sacrificed so much for you. You become like Christ when you sacrificially give. See, I told you it was going to be awkward for me. (laughs) But that's the message that God put on my heart. And uh, so I'm going to ask, oh, we're going to go to communion or uh, just a minute.